I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You're the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Hope you had a great long weekend. I know I did. My fantasy football team's going to win, hands down. No doubt about it this year. So it's it's good. Uh, you know, uh, one, of, one of my favorite uh, com- comedians, uh, and, and I don't mean Christian comedians, I mean period, right? Uh, it's a guy named Jeff Allen. Uh, and if you haven't seen him, uh, he'll be on tour this fall. We'll tell you how to find out about him. You can look him up on, on YouTube after this conversation. You'll find some great bits, truly funny material, and what we call clean comedy, meaning that uh, he has to use more creativity than curse words to make you laugh, which is actually harder. So, But, you know, life hasn't always been uh, laughter for Jeff. Uh, there's, there's been some bumps along the road, uh, and he talks about it openly, candidly, in a new book called Are We There Yet? Uh, and, uh, man, you know, it, it's, uh, it's always interesting when someone opens up about their lives. Um, and when it's someone whom, you know, you see on stage or on TV or lots of different places he's been, um, and, and they make you laugh and you realize, man, there's some, there's some pain under there. Uh, then it just, it, it to me, it, I just, I, I respect the guy for talking openly, uh, for battling his demons, for, you know, sticking on, on the road, uh, to redemption and, uh, and, and sanctification. Uh, and it's been a hard one. So you, I think you'll be very interested in today's conversation. Uh, but it won't be one big laugh track the whole way through. Hey, yeah, he, he may drop a joke or two. We'll see if we can get one out of him. But I uh, appreciate you guys being here. Judy, good to see you. Anybody else out there watching live, you're invited to be a part of the conversation as always. Jeff, welcome to Life Today Live. Good to see you, man. Hey, good to see you again, man. How was, how was, how was that intro? Was that, been was a while. That, that was, yeah, that's, you know, yeah, that's what it, covers everything you know Um, yeah Uh, well take us however wherever you want to start this conversation um because you know this has been uh, a lifelong journey for you uh and like i said it hadn't always been easy um tell us a little bit about yourself well the, the the book um covers about an eight year period, seven or eight year period from 30 to 38. Um, I got married, uh, at 30, uh, I was an alcoholic and a drug addict and, uh, I don't know what I expected. It's interesting, you know, um, but, uh, I wrote it now because I, you know, my kids were really little when we went through all this, they don't remember any of it. Um, they don't remember me not being sober. I've been sober 36 years. My oldest is 38. So, um, uh, I wanted my grandkids to know who we, you know, what we struggled through and got through. Uh, it seems like today's culture, and and a lot of it is when I sit in the airport, I see these these young men that they're sitting there looking at their devices, and it's it's almost toxic to me to see because it's so apathetic, and just this look about them or feel this vibe that comes off them. Is this all there is? This is it. This is life. 
and I went through that at seven or eight years. Um, I started with, uh, you know, I walked into a 12 step program to get sober and they said, pray. I said, to what? I had uh, no belief in, uh, certainly, you know, and then the higher power thing. I never got that because it's like, look, if I make it up a deity that makes me delusional, you know? <laughs> so the question was, does God exist? And if so, what does that look like or feel like, or, you know, so anyway, and with each, <clears throat> Uh, bottom, and I hit a lot of bottoms along the way as a man. Um, you know, uh, everything in the book I did that I talk about, I did sober. Hmm. You know, um, there was no excuse. Um, not that being drunk is an excuse, but at least it, you might look at some of it and go, holy cow, well, he was, he was out of sorts. Yeah. Um, and the book begins with my uh, wonderful proposal. Uh, I proposed at the Cleveland Airport baggage claim after flying on a red eye. Uh, it was an impulse. Uh, any young man listening to me now, I don't recommend getting married on an impulse. <laughs> you know, buy a pair of shoes if you got to do something impulsively. <laughs> uh, but uh, I asked her to marry me uh, after I landed. I saw, you know, and the, the joke is uh, when we got our luggage, she had no idea the baggage she was picking up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? But, uh, you know, I wanted the reader to fall in love with my romantic side. So I opened the book with that. Yeah. The first chapter ends seven years later. I find out she's having an affair in California with another guy mm. and uh, told her to get home. We were living in Arizona. And uh, she didn't come home that night. Her friend called me and said she's not able to fly right now. Uh, and I believe this, Randy. Had she come home that night, we wouldn't be married today. Uh, you know, James, you know this. In the book of James, he compares the human tongue to a rudder on a ship. It's a small part of a large vessel, and you can't steer the ship without it. The human tongue is pretty much you steer this your entire life with the tongue. And uh, God gave me the ability to bless and curse. Um, and I would have, I would have said things I probably wouldn't have been able to take back, but I had a night alone with the God I didn't believe in. He was there that night and he just kept reminding me of what kind of husband and man I was. So, um, all right. I, I, I want to get to that before I want to back up just a little bit because that's, that, that's the highlight obviously of, of the beginning of getting where you want to be. How did you at, at 30, how did, how did you get so into drugs and alcohol was it just an incremental thing or was there something that triggered that no i started at 13 or 14 uh, at my sister's wedding actually uh, was my first um, time I, I i got drunk and um, i drank from that moment forward every chance i got my i can and i drank until i threw up my body rejected it from the beginning and i just kept pouring that poison into me until i finally kept it down and um uh that was I, I. Prior to that, I was an I was an athlete and uh, uh, baseball, and that was the plan. That was the trajectory was um, to uh, to play professionally. I mean, a lot of kids think like that, but uh, you know, I, I don't know if I, I'm not sure. I think I was second team All State. I was I was certainly in in that realm. I won a, a bunch of awards and things. Mm -hmm. Found out years later, I was actually recruited by a bunch of a number of Division One schools. But my coach sent back uh, the letters with uh, he wouldn't fit in your program, uh, insubordinate. And uh, uh, in hindsight, I would not have fit into any pro. By the time I got to college, I was a full blown alcoholic. I mean, I drank every day at lunch. Uh, you know, I'd go to practices half bagged. Um, you know, and 
that that's not i mean that's not normal addiction especially when your body rejects it like that what what was driving that do you think uh you know it, it made me feel you know i was i, I wouldn't say i was shy but I was, when I, the first time I got drunk, I was gregarious. I was, you know, obnoxious would be the word most people would use. But <laughs> right. I, uh, I felt that I, you know, um, and then I was told, uh, the men in, the men in my life, my father and my brother, uh, they drank, men drank mm-hmm. and they can handle, you mm-hmm. handle your liquor. So then as what, what, be, what started as gregarious became, I, I wanted to be in control. So I would drink and, and then I just got more into a shell. And by the time I quit, I was drinking alone. I could be in a, in a large crowded bar, but I was alone. I would sit at the stool by myself. I, would, uh, I felt that if I surrounded myself with people, I wasn't isolated because I read that that was part of alcoholism, hmm. that you isolate, you know. And um, I think that's the, the sickness today. Our, our, our devices keep us in the high. I mean, it's it's... We're meant to be in community. God made us to be in community. And um, most alcoholics, you know, we'd sit on the end of the bar. And we, you know, after I became a father and a, and a, and a husband, we, I would sit in these bars and talk about what all the things I was going to do with my kids and stuff. We'd talk about, we'd pat each other on the back about how wonderful fathers we were. We never did any of those things. Mm. Nothing. Mm. We did nothing. It was all talk. And it was interesting as I was getting into recovery. I remember reading, I think it was a Stephen Covey book, and, and I don't even remember what the name of the book was. I just remember the first thing was write out write out your obituary. What do you want the people in your life to say about you? And I never got past the first one. My dad always had time for me, you know, and it broke me. I mean, I remember sitting in a hotel room and just go, what, what a crock. Mm-hmm. What a crock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting because and you were in comedy by this time, right? Oh sure, I've been doing comedy since I was twenty-two. Yeah, and uh, and yet, um, there was no happiness, no laughter inside. I mean, and and I, I think you know we we saw it with Robin Williams, but we've seen other comedians. Um, that this is an interesting dynamic. That's not that uncommon. Um, so you're in your mid-thirties, you're, and everything's just crashing down. Um, what was your, what was your mindset at that point when you got that phone call from finding out about your wife? Um, well, after, afterward, I picked her up at the airport the next day. I was exhausted. Um, you know, it, it, when I, it, it was probably three or four months later, I, I got into the Bible and I ended up, uh, you know, committing to Christ. But, um, when I read about Jacob wrestling with God, that, that really brought me to that moment. It was like, I was up all night pacing. As you'd imagine, I wasn't going to sleep. I mean, you know, and it was like, how could she? I mean, this, you know, I, I was really, and every time I'd get righteously angry, you know, this little voice would remind me, you know, remember the time you stood on a stool in Jersey and you yelled at your wife till she fell to her knees, you know, and, and all the things I smashed and broke and, you know, um, you know, basically the, I got downwind of what kind of man I was and what kind of husband. And I went from how could she to how could she not? I didn't blame her. Mm. Honestly, I didn't blame her. I mean, I was aware enough of, you know, I was at least honest enough to admit, you know, I'm not, you know, I wasn't a great guy, yeah. you know, 
And um, so anyway, I got her at the airport the next day, and I gave her a hug and a kiss. And she said, that's it. I got, that's all I got left, man. I'm really, I'm exhausted. We're a mess. We're an absolute friggin' mess. So if you want, what if what you want is in California, I'm not going to stand in your way. You, you've given me seven years at this point, and you deserve better than me. And as a matter of fact, we had divorce papers filled out and notarized, and she changed her mind. We were 10 minutes from filing divorce papers about 30 years ago. And uh, on our way to the courthouse, she said, let's go home. You know, And I looked at her. I, all sincerity, said, you're out. She goes, what do you mean? I go, Tammy, I love you, but I'm tainted. I'm damaged goods. Hmm. You know, my brother, you know, I, I, I saw the movie. My brother was five years older than me. He was a mess. My dad, you know, treated my mother like, you know, pretty much the way I treated Tammy. And um, I just felt that there was no, no hope for me, you know. And uh, she said, let's go home. And I said, if we go home, you're in. Hmm. You know, when we got married, I mean, we didn't know each other. I met her in November, asked her to marry me in April. She got pregnant in May. We got married in July. And uh, she had a two-year-old when I met her. So I had instant family. And, um, um, you know, that lasted about a year before I quit drinking. I mean, it was like, at least I, you know, I woke up one day and, you know, and realized I, you know, I spanked my six-month-old kid in the crib and, Mm. You know, she took him away and she said, what man does this? You know, and the next day I went into recovery. Mm. You know, I said, I, I, you're right. What kind of guy does this? You know, I mean, it frightened me. So here's, I'm curious about this because you, you, you went in recovery, you learned about the higher power, didn't quite get that. But then when, you know, you hit that crisis moment in your marriage, you said you, you, met a God you didn't know or prayed to him at least. But well, I believe, in hindsight, you know, I'm, I'm looking back in hindsight, you know, and again, I, and let me say this, I, I always tell churches this, I wouldn't be here if I walked into Alcoholics Anonymous and they said, you need Jesus. I'd have left. Hmm. I mean, I had such an animosity towards Christian and Christ. I don't even know why. I mean, it's not like they did. anything to me. <laughs> you know? It was just this, my father told me when I was 14, stay away from Christians, they're bad people. Huh. And uh, his dad was a pastor, his brother was a pastor. And uh, anyway, he just had a bad, ex you know, the, those rooms are filled with people, unfortunately, with religious baggage, you know, and I wasn't one of them. I mean, I had, I had no baggage. I mean, I walked in basically and just was told to stay away and I stayed away. Um, so... I believe the Holy Spirit came to me in the middle of a fit. I had a fit one night. I was pounding on a 50 pound bag that I put on my porch to beat when they, when the rage would come rather than smashing dishes and things. And I pounded that bag and it fell off and I picked it up and I was throwing it against the fence and I was just exhausted, screaming at the heavens in the middle of the night. Why, why, why? Just screaming. Why, 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 why? And I, you know, and I look up and my family's standing at the door. My wife is just irritated. Kids are crying. I walked in the house and I'm telling you, Randy, a sense of calm came over me like I've never experienced. And my five-year-old boy walks up. He goes, Daddy, you scare me. I go, I scare myself, son. And I picked him up. And Tammy says, get out. I go, I'm okay. She says, no, you're not, you're, get out. You live in hotels anyway. Just leave. Get out of the house. I don't want you here. And I looked at her and I said, I don't know how I know this, but it's never going to happen again. And she says, BS. And I said, have I ever said that to you? She goes, what does that matter? I go, my father said it to my mother over and over and over again. And it always happened again. My brother said it over and over. Always. Happened. I never said that to you because I knew it would happen again. Mm 
I didn't want to make promises to you I couldn't keep. But I don't know how I know this, but it's not going to happen again. And again, in hindsight, I look back and I believe that was the night, screaming at the heavens, that the Holy Spirit decided to go, okay, he's had enough. <laughs> what, 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 where do you go from there? Well, uh, again, I find out about the affair. Mm-hmm. And then I'm in my room, and that voice is reminding me, you know, here, this happened, you did this, you said this, you did that, you know. And I pick her up, and, I, you know, we're driving home, and it's pretty quiet in the car, as you can imagine. She says, how did we get here? And that's how the first chapter ends. How did we get here? You know? So when did, when did you, how did you put a, a name to that, you know, whatever you were screaming at or whatever help you were looking for? When did it become Christ to you? Probably a few months later, I had met a guy from Texas, actually. Um, he went to Tommy Nelson's church, uh, Denton Bible. Yeah. And he was out doing comedy for 100 bucks a week. I don't know why. I mean, you know, he was a multimillionaire businessman and <laughs> one of Tommy's uh, uh, guys. And anyway, he just took a liking to me. I don't know why. Um, and we were talking on a golf course. And I'm reading Ayn Rand now. I think I'm, you know. I realized I need to make some money. We, we were about ready to lose our house. And I, I didn't care. You know, Tammy says to me, she goes, we're losing everything. And I get the impression you don't care. I go, you're not crazy. I don't care. She goes, who says that? I said, a man who doesn't care. I, mean, I don't know what else to say to you. I want to care. You know, I'm looking around. I see all of the, uh, you know, the, 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 the burden of uh, taking care of a family, but I just didn't care. So anyway, I'm asking this guy, how do you accumulate wealth? I never learned. He says, you don't want a lot of money. I go, I don't. He goes, no, you can't handle what little you have. Mm. And he said, basically, he said, in order to enjoy the creation, you, ever have, you have to have a relationship with the one who created it. And I thought, well, that sounds kind of new agey. I've read a lot of new age. He said, well, actually, it's biblical, the relationship part with Jesus. And I went, oh, Jesus. And he says something else later on. I go, you know, where'd you read that at? He goes, it's in the Bible. I go, so, well, who reads the Bible? You know, <laughs> he goes, I do. I go, really? You know, we've all seen it as Christians. You know, when you mention to some guy, you know, on the, I was on an airplane once reading a Robbie Zacharias book. And the guy goes, hey, I'm in the publishing business. What are you reading? And I go, can man live without God? He goes, oh, puts his headphones on and turns against the window. <laughs> you know, that conversation. I go, okay, well, what do you got for me? You know? <laughs> So anyway, uh, before we left, he says, uh, you know, he goes, what's in the Bible you don't think is true? And I go, well, I know, I don't know. I never actually read the Bible. He goes, then you're not really an atheist. You're a moron. (laughs) And, uh, you know, he said, basically, he went down to tell me, he goes, it's the most influential book in the history of the world. And you can't even crack it open. You're not even curious enough to find out what's in the book that people find life changing. So he says, I go to a church that teaches the Bible. That was Denton Bible. And he said, I'll, I'd love to sign you up for the study tapes. And if you want to watch, listen. And he sent me these tapes that I collected for about a year. And we, I never opened them up. Uh, but we had a good friendship. We played a lot of golf together. And he never once said, you know, I sent you tapes, sent you a Bible. All he ever would say is, how are you and Tammy doing? Not too good, fellow. He goes, we pray for your marriage. Hmm. You do? Why? He goes, well, we think marriages are ordained from God. He didn't put you two together to create another life and then move on. You know, they need a father and a mother and all this stuff, you know, that I couldn't quite get my head around. But 
he literally loved me into the kingdom. And then, you know, my first sermon I ever opened up, Tammy took the kids to Ohio. And I thought, I didn't think she was coming back. I think she was done. I think she, you know, and she did tell me later on that when she landed, her parents said, good, you're home now. You don't have to go back to him. Mm-hmm. And that was the big June. And um, I opened up the first sermon was Ecclesiastes. And when I heard meaningless, meaningless, all in my life was meaningless. My heart, my, I, yeah, yeah. Mm. absolutely 100% true. Mm. And I felt if that's true, then there must be other things in this book that's true. And what I got out of the first sermon was life without God will have no meaning without meaning in your life. There's no purpose and without purpose suicide. And you're seeing it over and over again, which is one of the reasons I wrote the book because Mm. it was a search for meaning and a point. Um, And that was the constant thing over and over again. It was as if, I knew I had this thirst and I would read something in a book or I'd read something and I, and I would quench it briefly. You know, I'd come home and tell Tammy, I think I found it today. I think I found it today. And she'd go, great, Jeff. Could you, could you make some more money? We're, we're, we're losing. We don't have groceries. Mm. And I go, yeah, okay, that'll come. I'm not worried about that. I just want to get, you know, why it matters, you know? Mm. I mean, if it's a sitcom deal, then, you know, do I off myself if I don't get the sitcom deal? If it's the family, if they die in a crash, do I off myself? I mean, and then when you, when I read about Pascal's uh, God-shaped hole, I thought that's perfect example of, you know, this, this thing that I kept trying to find to fill this void. And ultimately it was Christ. And it, and it's sad to say that it's, it really is just friends, family. I mean, you know, you want to find meaning in life? Yeah, it's, you know, I think Sartre said it. I, I'm not sure. I, Sartre said it, but in order for something finite to have meaning, it has to be connected to something transcendent and fixed. Hmm. He didn't use the word God, but that's it. Yeah. I mean, if God never changes and God never moves, and that's the source of all of life, then that makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. So, I mean, that, that's been, what, 30 years ago now? Something like that? Yeah. What goes on in your head since then? What's your life been like? Um, since- it's a constant fight against my old nature. I mean, you know, it, 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 you know, this I, again. The Holy Spirit comes. Jesus says, "I'll give you a new counselor." Hmm. Holy Spirit. So now I got this new counselor. You know, I'll tell you a perfect example. I was raised on Playboy. My father got me Playboy when I was eleven. Wow. He said, "I want you to learn about women." So anyway, I bought Playboy. My wife got me a subscription to Playboy and uh, our first mar- uh, Christmas together. She says, I'd rather have you, you know, looking at this than chasing the real thing. You know, I mean, this is how sick we were. So anyway, I, I, per- I, I have the kids with me. I give my life to Jesus. I wake up the next day. I'm in, I'm in Texas. I went to church at Denton Bible. And I'm on the edge of my bed. And I'm telling you, Randy, I don't know what's wrong with me. I feel, I feel good. I mean, I, I mean, it was like this. You've heard the term lightness of being. Mm-hmm. I got up in the morning and I felt this. I felt incredible, and I'm trying to figure out why because it's so unnatural. <laughs> to me. And I realized, oh, I gave my life to Jesus the day before. Is this what this feels like? And um, anyway, I packed the kids up. And we're driving to the next job. I think I had to go to New Orleans to work at a, a, a club in New Orleans. And I'm in the gas station, and the new Playboy came out. And I'm standing at the car. I got the kids' popcorn. I got whatever. I got all the, the, the junk. 
And then I see the Playboy and I go to buy it. And a voice in my head for the first time in my entire adult life says, you can't do that. And I'm like, what do you mean? I, I'm, honestly, I'm having this conversation with myself. And for the first, I had to go to the back of the store and figure out what the heck was going on with me. Hmm. And then I remembered the verse. Don't worry about this life. I will send you a counselor in the form of the Holy Spirit. And I said, is this it? And it's been a constant fight for 30 plus years. This, this nature, my old nature, and my new counselor. Hmm. We wrestle constantly. And I, and I catch myself all the time, rationalizing, hedging, you know, making deals with. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing to me. I mean, it, it really is. And Tammy, Tammy would go, what's going on? I'd go, well, I'm having another conversation with, with, with the Holy Spirit, you know. That, and it, and it, it's, I don't know if that explains it, but it's like. Well, I mean, that, that's literally what Scripture says it should be. Is, is active, not just, you know, I've got a book written thousands of years ago and I try to live by it. No, it's this relationship dynamic that, right. that you're describing that, that feels crazy, but it's life-giving, which is what I'm hearing from you. Yeah, and I'll tell you what scares me to death when you read Romans 1. And finally, God says, he turned. Uh, Paul says, God turned them over to their nature. He just said, you know, like, and I used to tell my mother that I said, mom, my brother, you know, just couldn't get it was always on the streets. Uh, he'd clean up. Then he'd go back to the streets. She couldn't get her head around it. She'd blame it herself. And I said, sweetheart, uh, mom, not sweetheart, mom, you gotta, you know, God turned an entire nation over to their nature. You can't control people. You love them, you know, but at some point, you just got to let them go and be themselves. And that's what scares me. I mean, if, if God ever abandons me and says, okay, you know, I'm tired of the rebellion or whatever, yeah. you know, and I'm just going to turn you over because I've, I've lived life without that. And it's it frightens me to go back to that. I don't, you know, it's funny. People go, I just want to be free. And I want to do what I want to do. Well, I was never more enslaved in my life. Yeah. Then I was doing whatever I wanted to do. Yeah. I was a slave to every desire I had, and it's just it was it was not healthy. Yeah, yeah, no, and I I do think though that when when you have been born again, you have a new nature. I think there is the that assurance uh, that even even if you rebel, um, you're kind of stuck in a sense. He's not going to let you go. <laughs> right? No, yeah. no and it's funny because they say when you go to AA, you can drink again, but you'll never drink the same. Yeah, you know, there you go. Yeah. And it's yeah. like you can you can you can give your life to Jesus, say I'm yours, I belong to you, and then you can w try to walk away, but your sin will never be the same. Yeah. Ever. No, yeah. You'll, no. Ne you'll never go buy a magazine and go, Oh, that's that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. All right. I got one more question for you, but I want to show people uh your website. This is Jeff Allen Comedy dot com and it's got his upcoming dates if you want to go see him. And trust me, I know you're not hearing it here, but you you can go check yeah. out his bits, but they are Truly, truly funny. He will make. Yeah, I just smile. had a new dry bar special drop. They can go there. Did you? Uh, brand new, brand new third third special. And two Amazon Prime specials. They can go on Amazon and look at those. Yeah, well, and and seriously, fully fully worth it. I'm I'm I wouldn't say that if I didn't mean it. Um, because I love I love good comedy, but it's got to be funny. It's got to make you laugh. And Jeff Allen will. Uh, the book also that's available now is Are We There Yet? 
Uh, and, and man, we've just, I know we just scratched the surface. I have one last question for you though, Jeff, because I'm curious, um, you, you, I know people come up to you that aren't Christians. You probably still know some comedians that aren't Christian. I don't know, but well, you, not everybody in your life is, is a believer. What do you tell them when they go, why'd you do this God thing? What is that about? Oh, I say you captured me. Hmm. There comes a point where you just, and it, it's like I couldn't turn away. I, I've tried everything that I, I believe I tried everything this earth had to offer, hmm. you know, and I love the term hound of heaven. That was that poem that's a uh, heroin addict wrote in the UK, but that was what a perfect um, uh, analogy of, of he pursued me. Uh, I believe he did. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know? And at some point you just go, okay, all right. And that's basically what I said. If you are who you claim to be, then I'm yours. And I'll know. And Tammy knew within two or three weeks. I mean, uh, when, when she got home from the summer with the kids, uh, it took me a couple, about a week or two to tell her. She goes, so how was your summer? You know, we talked a bit on the phone, but not much. And I said, well, I'm a born-again Christian. She goes, what does that mean? I go, honestly, I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> I just heard the, I heard the term. So uh, I'm, I'm to love you as Jesus. This is what I was told. I'm to love you as Jesus loved the church. And she says, what does that mean? And I said, well, he died for the church. Um, his, the followers are his bride, you know, and he's the bride, you know. So, And she laughed because she knew how self-centered I was. But um, we had one question, one conversation. She goes, if the, if the kids die tomorrow, they go to hell. And I go, babe, I'm telling you, heaven and hell, way out of my domain. I have no clue. I said, look, I'm just trying, Sam. I really am. I'm trying. So you can come to church with me if you want. You don't have to come if you don't want. And about three weeks, she showed up. She came with me. And then there was something. And then when we lost the house, because we, I finally, I got, I got out from under before they completely foreclosed on me. And the uh, escrow lady told me, the IRS has taken all the money you made on the house. And I said, that's okay. Everything that, anything of value is at this table. And Tammy said, for the first time in our entire marriage, I believed you, that mm. we were a priority. Mm. And uh, it was life changing. So who would ever guess that, you know, that the IRS, you know, my last audit, I threw my keys into the lap of the auditor. Uh, they were going to take my home deduction or something for some stupid law, you know. <laughs> anyway, I said, take it all, man. Just load it up on a truck and drive it to Clinton's house. You know, it was the 90s. Yeah, <laughs> Just yeah, drop yeah. it on the White House lawn. I'm done with you guys. I really am. And I said, I'm going to go home and try to save my marriage hmm. uh, because it hit me like in a freight train. When, when he says, how many days are you on the road? And I said, it's on that page. And I, I looked, it was 228 days. Hmm. And I said, no wonder she's leaving. Hmm. So you, you and Tammy today, how's life? It's good. You know, and I'll tell you, you know, it's not by no means. It's not perfect. My God, you know. Uh, matter of fact, after we finished the last draft, we gave it to the publisher. The next day, we got into a huge argument in the kitchen, huge. <laughs> and I came out of the bedroom. I went to my, you know, we, we, we tend to go to our corners, you know, and then come back out for some more. And then we go to our corners and we come back out. Anyway, I went, came back out and I said, I can't do this. She goes, what? The book thing. I can't go around and tell the whole country how wonderful things are. Here we are in argument. She goes, oh, Jeff, my God, grow up. You know, what do you think? We're never going to argue. Again. <laughs> you know? So anyway, uh, it's great. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you this. We were at the swimming pool 
with the grandkids uh, Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. Uh, for about three or four hours. And at one point, uh, we we're on two different things. Tammy comes over to me. She kisses me on the cheek. She says, we really have a good life, don't we? Mm. And I said, we do, baby. Mm. We do. And um, it's uh, if you look back at where we were when we wrote, where we were at when we wrote the book, to where we are today, um, it's all because of that relationship. All of it with Christ. I mean, uh, you know, I pose five questions in the book that I had to answer. You know, what uh, what defines you? Most men are defined by their work. If you ask a guy, you know, tell me about yourself. Well, I am. And then you explain. And I try to remember to say I'm a child of God first. Mm. Child of God first. And then uh, where does your hope lie? What voices do you listen to in a noisy culture like ours? You have to really, you know, I had to shut all this stuff off you know, um, and, and just kind of concentrate on the pastors I listen to, um, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and because I tend to, again, my nature is to get distracted and, um, start down paths that I shouldn't be going down. If I, if I don't pay attention, um, you know, where does your hope lie? You um, what are your expectations? That's huge. Yeah. You know, I always tell Tammy, if you keep your expectations low enough, I'll meet them and you'll be happy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. There's some some truth in that. There is. I mean, it's like, what are you expecting me to be? Again, you know, if you expected me to be a carpenter, ain't going to happen, you know. Uh, And fortunately, now we make enough money where I can hire people to do (laughs) what I did poorly for years. Well, you know, I think it all goes back to, I know it all goes back to the child of God thing, because... If you don't know who you are, the, the rest of it's never going to fall into place. And that identity, as you see what's, what's missing in today's culture so much. Uh, and it, and that's the thing. That's the constant reminder we need. Of, well, without, of, of that, without that understanding of that relationship and how much you've been forgiven, then yeah. how do you extend grace? And that's what I Nobody extends grace anymore. The whole yeah. cancel culture is around just yeah. crushing people. And it's like, have you ever been forgiven? Yeah. <laughs> In your life, you've never done anything to another human being where they had to go, hey, man, I forgive you. Yeah. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. yeah. How perfect have you lived? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, I want to meet that guy. <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> I don't think I'll tell you what, there was one, and they weren't very kind to him. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I have so much here. And, you know, I love the title of the book, Are We There Yet? Because I think it emphasizes the truth that we're we're all on a journey you know uh and the, the beauty is not that we get to not hit the bumps in life not have some curves thrown our way not have some difficulties but that god promises to be there with us and to take us through it and that, absolutely that's what i see in your life yeah yeah and again uh, i'm not done you know and um i want it are we there yet if we lived here we'd be home by now you know, and uh, uh, they went with the messed up to meaningful. But I, um, I looked at a lot of people think this is the your home. This is your final resting point. There's nothing after this. And it's like the graveyards are filled with millions of souls who've been slaughtered by some despot trying to create heaven on earth. Mm-hmm. 
and we Christians know this isn't it. You know, we're just getting prepared for the next one. And, you know, God willing, I'll, I'll make it to the end. You know, when I started with Gaither 20 years ago. And Tammy and I were in our 40s. And we see these old couples walking in. And we look at each other and go, you think we'll get there? <laughs> I think we'll get there. So now we're the old couples. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's a good feeling though, isn't it, right? Everybody, yeah. I'll... I'll all my friends my age are like, man, sucks getting old. I'm like, yeah, but that's the goal, isn't it? <laughs> you know? It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're almost Wait, there. We, getting old is not for the weak. <laughs> All right, Jeff Allen, man. Uh, it's fun, always fun talking to you. He's coming for our broadcast show, uh, recording that in a couple weeks, so we could do this again. It'll be fun. But uh, yes. you watching can uh, go check out his specials on on uh, was it Netflix or Prime? Which one did you say? Well, Amazon Prime. There's Prime. two specials. All right, so. two two specials on Prime. I know there's stuff all over YouTube and things like that. And then you can go to uh, Jeff Allen Comedy uh, and see the tour dates right. right there on the bottom. That's right. So, uh, Jeff, man, thank you. Um, I know. Thank you. I know we, we're there's so much more we could go. Keep going, but people just have to get the book, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yes. help feed help feed the family come on people yeah, yeah buy the book it's it. out today is it is it today today and have it tomorrow man. all right there we go all right man again i appreciate you uh and i'm i, I will go check out those prime i hadn't seen the prime video so uh, looking forward to that appreciate you guys hanging out uh seriously go check them out you'll laugh uh and if you want you know this is a great interview maybe to send to someone who's wrestling with god themselves because uh, Jeff, Jeff's real deal, real deal guy. Wrestled. God's with him. He's still wrestling. We all are, and it's all good. Appreciate you guys being here. Uh, if you haven't liked, follow, subscribe, do that. And come back. We'll see you next time here on Life Today Live.